0: Uh, you uh, join us, week four of uh, the Emotionally Healthy Church, and uh, here we go again. We're going to get touchy-feely this morning, and uh, if you're feeling slightly awkward, uh, this is, that's okay, that's okay. Uh, last week we looked at um, looking beneath the surface, and we used the, uh, the illustration of the iceberg, and we talked about how what most of us see of each other is just that bit that's above the water. And yet most of the iceberg is beneath the surface. And we were encouraging you to, to, to dare to look beneath the surface as to what was going on. Uh, we used um, the Psalm 139, which is well-loved and well-known. And I asked you to, to, to pray the prayer, the end of it. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me into the way of everlasting And folks, we are so encouraged by the stories that you are telling us and the stories that you're telling each other of the way in which God is really, really uh, just journeying with you right now. It is so encouraging. And uh, we would just encourage you again is not to run away from this stuff. I know that there are going to be things I'm going to say this morning. You're going to be left feeling, because I'm going to touch, I'm going to hit on some nerves this morning, and uh, I am encouraging you to to have the courage to lean in, lean into that stuff and not run away because the temptation will be, is to kind of run away from that stuff because we've kind of gotten so used to doing that. So, lean into Jesus, lean into community. Uh, With people. Uh, So this morning we're looking at breaking the power of the past. And um, so I encourage you to look beneath and now I'm going to encourage you to look back. Look back at our lives and to see the way that we have been shaped and influenced by the things that uh, have kind of taken place. There are many external forces and influence that shape who we are today. And none more so than our families none more so than the, uh, the, the homes in which we grew up in and i began this series 3 weeks ago i was quite vulnerable and i shared just a little bit of my story growing up with my family and um, and i and i also said this that at the age of kind of 17 18 i'd been a christian a few months i remember meeting up with my, my youth pastor uh, his name was Mike, and I remember just unpacking my story with him, and I was brutally honest with him, and I told him not, uh, probably everything that was going on, and and I remember at the end of it, I, I, just spilling out all this garbage. I remember and truthfully saying to him, "But I'm all right. I'm uh, but all that's happened. But I'm all right." And I genuinely thought that, and I and and in many ways I was all right. You know, I, I had done well in school. I was, uh, I'd gained huge confidence personally through through things like sport. I had um, cultivated lots of good friendships with people, and to a certain degree, I was alright, you know. Uh, But boy, did I have no idea how I was not alright. And it's taken 24 years, you can do the maths in the making and continuing in order to unpack and to look back on all that stuff in order to live a life of fullness, to live a life of freedom. And it's ongoing, as many of you are sure. (laughs) So, um, blah, 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 blah. I've lost my notes already. Okay, let's just dive straight in. So, let's look at the, the biblical context I want to use. Contained in the Ten Commandments is quite a disturbing uh, thing that God gives Moses. And, and it's this. You'll find this in Exodus, uh, chapter 20. We begin part the way through verse 5, verse 5 and verse 6. And uh, God says this. He says, For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of their of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments now i remember reading this years ago and just thinking that's well harsh that's really out of order you know how can god punish you know me for things that have happened by my parents, by my grandparents, by my great-grandparents, my great-greatparents—that's just out of order. How, how is that? And yet, I think the biblical understanding of this text and the the truth behind this is not that we um, that we assume the guilt and the shame of the sin from those passed down to us. Rather, we are subjected to the consequences of choices made by our parents and by the grandparents and so on and so on and that's kind of uh, passed down uh, to us and we know don't we you've heard the expression things like oh he's just like his father or ah he's just like the mother the mother used to do that and so goes the child and we've seen that and we could say that both positively and negatively can't we You know, you look at such and such and they're they're doing it just like their mum did it. And isn't it brilliant? Because we celebrate that brilliant part and that godly part. But boy, can we say the same thing from a negative point of view as well. Those of you that work with young people, you will know the challenging behaviour that is presented by many, many young people. And when you begin to unpack their journey, you begin to look at their lives and you begin to look back and you think, my goodness, no wonder Johnny is like that. That was just the name. that I just think of Johnny Graham at moments like this, you see. And, and, and um, you know, no wonder they're like that. It's because of that, that has, that's happened in their lives. And I want us to look at an image. I hope we can see it. It might not come up brilliantly, and those of you, <laughs> I don't expect Dean for you to be able to look at the words at the back there, um, and maybe we'll post this later if, if, if you'd like to. Um, this is called a genogram, this is um, a kind of a family tree type thing, and I'm going to read some stuff and kind of follow it, but basically you have Jesse right at the top left corner. Jesse was the father of David. And uh, David was a man after God's heart, but he, there was uh, adultery, there was murder, and there was sexual sin. And David's lineage, as he dropped down a line, he had uh, a number of wives, as you can see, including one of them, which was Bathsheba, who he has the affair with and, uh, and tries to cover it up and King uh, kills um, her husband, Uzziah, and uh, has a child uh, called Solomon, which is the next level down. Now Solomon was a heart not fully devoted, and there was sexual addiction, and then dropped down another level to uh, Solomon's uh, son Rehoboam, which is probably not pronounced correctly, and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. You see how the generational sin, which is passed down from one to the other. I'm going to read, and uh, hope that you stick with me on this, Uh, Just to kind of explain this just a little uh, bit better, that would be uh, tremendous. Um, Blah-dee-blah, where are we? Okay, so if we examine this genogram, the first relates to having a heart for God. David's father, Jesse, was clearly a believer, although we don't know how much about him. David is referred to as a man after God's own heart. He stands out as one of the towering spiritual figures in scripture, writing magnificent psalms and music for God's people to use in worship for generations. However, around the age of 40 to 50, he compromises his relationship with God, and he commits adultery with the beautiful Bathsheba and murdering her husband. Rather than immediately repenting, he chooses a path of cover-up lies and abuse of power. This decision reverberates through his family and the nation of Israel for generations, His character appears slowly to erode, probably over a number of years, leading finally to a monumental collapse of judgment. His son Solomon does build a temple for God, but his heart is described as not fully devoted to God. He mixes worship of the God of Israel with the gods of the nations around him. And by the third generation, this decline in spirituality reaches the bottom. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, ignores the God of Israel and engages in idolatry and detestable practices of other nations. But the second theme that runs right the way through this lineage um, of of family is uh, of sexual sin. It's also prominent in the genogram. The pagan kings of the ancient Near East, David collects wives, he also commits adultery with Bathsheba. His oldest son Amnon rapes his half sister Tamar and disgraces her forever. This is followed by his son Solomon, who carries further the sexual sins of his father, accumulating seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines. In turn, Solomon's son Rehoboam has eighteen wives and sixty concubines. This was a common way to form political allegiance alliances. In the ancient Near East. But it it also is an act of rebellion against God's commands. Third thing that runs right the way through this lineage. um, Is division and sibling rivalry are also intensive with each generation. David has some tensions with his brothers. One of his sons Absalom murders his brother Amnon. In the revenge for raping his sister. The family is terribly divided as a result. Eventually, Absalom grows bitter, proclaiming himself king, conquering Jerusalem, and setting out to kill his own father. Civil war breaks out, and 20,000 men die. Solomon's son, Rehoboam, carries this pattern even further as his family disintegrates. Finally, the once united 12 tribes of Israel split apart into a northern kingdom with 10 tribes and a southern kingdom with two. It is now only a matter of time before the split family is called into exile. When we read this stuff, when we see these things, it makes um, the Jeremy Kyle show look, look pretty tame in comparison, right? You know, I think sometimes we can read that stuff. It's all taken from the, the Old Testament. We read it and we think, oh my goodness, you know, oh, you just it drips off the tongue. Your man had a thousand sexual partners, Solomon. You know, the the cover-up, the deceit, the lies, the murder that took place, the avenging of sins. And it began from David, who is revered by the people of Israel as like the greatest king. And because of the choices and because of the things that he did, this thing began to be passed down from generation to generation Another great lineage to read about in terms of things passed down to another is that from our founding forefathers. From Abraham to Isaac, from Isaac to Jacob, from Jacob to his 12 sons, and so on and so on. I've been reading Genesis these last few days. Have I got time? Not really. So I've been reading at Genesis over the last few days and I've just been struck by how the choices made by the Father passed down to the Son, passed down to that Son and so on and so on. just keeps getting repeated and repeated and repeated. But it is possible to change. It is possible to break the power of the past. It is possible to be set free. And we're going to look at a number of different things for us as people to stop so that it does not continue in our lifetime. And we don't get to pass it to our children and their children and so on and so on. And the first thing I want to look at for us as individuals is that we identify how our families shaped us. On our Facebook page, there is a link to a free resource through these emotionally healthy folks um, to a genogram. You can download it, and you can plot, and you can put in there your family members, your family members here, your family members above, and so on and so on. You go and do your own family tree. Now, you can do that, or you don't have to do that, but it is important that we ask ourselves the following questions about uh, our families. What were our family members like? What were uh, our parents' marriage like? How was conflict managed in our homes? What were some of the generational themes? For mine, what I have discovered in my older years is this lineage of mental health problems, which I had no idea about. And so I knew there were certain things which were presented in my own folks' But I did not know to the extent of my father's side of, uh, of, of my grandparents there. My grandfather took his own life when I was three or four months old. Um, my, na- my nanny, who was then married to him, she suffered from a number of, um, uh, of issues. And, and in those days, sadly, there just wasn't the access or the teaching, or the knowledge that we have now in our healthcare system. And thanks be to God that we do have that, that there is a greater openness about mental health uh, in our generation. Thank goodness that today in a church we get to discuss emotional health, things that previous generations would just never have touched on. You know, you kind of just get on with it, don't you? If life's tough, well, buckle up and you know, get on with it. We don't want to know. And yet, thankfully, we have this ability to journey this. And by the way, this is just a sideline. I I sense actually for our people, for our church, this is just a sense, it's not I'm not declaring this right. I just wonder if there's something in the area of mental health for us as a church actually to to journey, to pioneer, to lead or to do something with. Uh, It's just something that I've been mulling over for some time. Uh, Well, that's that. Back to the list. This is our families. Looking back, how were feelings discussed and acknowledged? How was sexuality discussed? Were there any family secrets? What was considered success in your family? How was money handled? How did your family's ethnicity or cultural bias shape you? Uh, Were there heroes or losers or scapegoats? Were there any addictions? And what were the traumatic events, losses of children, divorce or illness? These are some of the really deep um, conversations or questions. In fact, those of you who are married or recently married or those of you who are considering marriage, these are good questions to ask. In fact, anyone who's done marriage preparation stuff, which is very, very good to do, I'm saying that to you. One day we'll want to be married. It is really good to go do some of that stuff. You are encouraged to, to actually answer some of those questions because the two of you will become one, and it's really important that you journey some of that stuff uh, together. But as you look at those things, it's important to consider which of those things are the things that I've. Uh, influenced you and impacted you most how has it shaped you and how does it affect the way you are the way you love and the way you lead and then what hard work of discipleship lies ahead for you in the future to unpack and journey some of that stuff secondly discerning the major influences of your life outside of your families. There are many other major influences that can shape who you are. Things, circumstances, situations, which actually influence the way you are. Uh, influences of people outside of our family. The place, the culture of where you live and where you grew up. The circumstances surrounding you. Your job, the work environment, your health, loss, disappointment, conflict, etc, etc. It is possible, the hope. I'm not just digging this stuff up for the sake of it. I'm not just kind of getting, uh, touching on your nerves for the sake of it. The reason is is to say there is a way, there is a way. His name is Jesus and he is the person who has the power to help and change us. Jesus describes being a Christian, becoming a Christian as a new birth, a new birth that we become born again when we choose to follow Jesus and it's that spiritual rebirth that we are adopted into his family which is the church and it's in this place that we get to reparent each other to become more like Jesus. Um, Jesus was teaching one day and uh, his mothers and brothers, they rock up, but they're outside the room or the meeting house where Jesus is teaching. This is in Mark 3. And uh, the crowd inside the house, they tell Jesus, they say, your, your mum and your brothers, they're outside the door there. And Jesus says this, who are my brother, and my, uh, who is my mother and my brothers, he asks. Then he looked at those seated in a circle around him inside the room, and he says this, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. And he wasn't saying that, to basically saying, there's my mum out the door, I'm rejecting her and my brothers. The point he is making is those in his midst and those of us here gathered together, that we are family. Now, a song about that. I'm not going to sing it this morning. And that leads us into our third point, that we are reparented through the church. When we become a Christian, we not only take on the new name of Christian, but we take on a new identity. And this new identity is not the blood of our biological family, but the blood of Jesus. Now, hear me this morning. This is not a a bashing of our parents' time, by the way. Okay, many of us come from wonderful, (coughs) excuse me, excuse me, come from really great families. Many of us come from um, a whole plethora of different families. This is not a bashing uh, kind of what was done to us this morning. But even in the best families, they still get things wrong. They still get things wrong. But the beauty of this is that we get to have Jesus genes We talked, I remember years ago, when we first sort of met, and we were like, but we've got Jesus genes. And in Jesus' family, we get to take on this new identity. We don't need to be controlled by the past. We get to have um, a great future. But the thing is, within the body of Christ, it requires spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers to reparent one another. And I said this maybe a couple of weeks ago too. I've been so grateful to so many people that have done that to me and for me. Just so grateful. People that have believed in me. People who have spoken truth over me. People who have held me. And and people who have just journeyed this stuff. I've just been so grateful to God that in the body of Christ there have been people like that. Likewise, I am so thrilled to be a spiritual father to people as well. And to have that privilege and that honor of of saying, you're not that, you're this. You've believed for too long that you're that, but I'm telling you before God that you're not that person, you're this person. Fourthly, and they're very quick, I know there's six, don't panic. Leading a church is like leading a family. And the way in which we lead affects us all the way in which our leaders lead affects us all and that believe you me is not something that we undertake lightly and it is important that we if we are a leader of anything in this church that we must repeatedly ask God the difficult question how much of my family history and how much of my past negative influences is running the church or running the ministry or running the group in which has been entrusted to me. This is scary, uh, but it is something that we must do. Fifthly, let's remember how many people are at the table. I want you right now to picture your life group or the team that you serve in. Or if you're a young person, the the number of young people. The group of people that you're journeying your life with right here, right now. I want you to picture it. Okay. Now, how many people are in it? So, go around the room. You're at Malcolm and Mullane's this week, or you're with Michael and Hazel this week, or wherever you were. Go around the room. How many people were there? Just picture Count them up. Okay, now include yourself in that I want you to ask a question. How many people were there? Okay, and some of you are probably thinking there were eight there or there were 12 there. Or think about the, the, the team which you serve on, that number of people. Let's say it was 10. That answer is incorrect. It wasn't 10. And I'm going to explain why. Each person in that group, including yourself, is, has been influenced by significant number of people. So now go back to yourself. I want you now to think of the significant people in your life that have influenced your life. Think of your parents, maybe brothers and sisters, your granda, granda, your pastor, your teacher or whoever it might be. The most influential people. How many of there were there? Just quickly. Now, take that number and multiply it by the number of people that were in the group that week. That's how many people are in your life group. It's their voices. It's their influence, positive and negative, that are speaking and are represented in that room together. How many are at the table? It's not 10, it's more like 80. That's how many voices that get spoken of there. Now the thing is this, if you're speaking and you're cultivating the stuff that's coming through from the positive stuff, that's brilliant. The godly stuff that's been invested in you and put in you is brilliant. But if the negativity stuff that has been put and placed in you. And that's what's coming out. That's where we have an issue. But thanks be to God. Again, that there are spiritual fathers and mothers who know and see that. And have insight and revelation into that. And call it out of you. I am loving it that increasingly within our church there is a trust developing amongst ourselves, where we are placing ourselves in the care of other people and we are saying, yes, please speak truth over me, even though it's difficult, even though it might be painful. And I'm loving it that there is a, a developing culture amongst some of our people to speak the truth in love. Not out of our own stuff and not out of our own frustrations about someone. But because we believe, because we see that there's something different in those people that we get to call it out of them. That we don't just pussyfoot around and miss actually saying it. Because in our culture, there are too many of us Do not say what we really think. And we just go about life, and then a car crash happens in their lives, and then we're like, flip, we saw that coming. Oh. And we had an opportunity to say, but we didn't. We didn't because of fear, we didn't because of rejection, we didn't because we didn't want to rock the boat. That's not even in the notes which means it's the Lord. Last one, and then we're coming into land. We never finish going back this side of eternity. We don't go back to our past just for the sake of it. We go back to the past when we get stuck and we're unable to go forwards. And as we journey with Jesus and his people, there will be situations and circumstances that will surface, that will lead us to ask, what are you doing, Jesus? What are you trying to show me What, where has this come from? Oh, I've reacted like this again. Why do I do that all the time? What is it? And we look back and we see, ah, that's, that's, I'm programmed to do this. That's why I do this. You know, folks, Jesus is restoring many of us right now, and it is beautiful and it is wonderful. Really, truly is. We sense. That God has for us as a church a significant role to play in the health of Carrickfergus and wider. We, um, we believe, and this is not arrogance. We believe that we're here. That God's entrusted this to us for a reason, for a purpose. And there's some really amazing things ahead for us. Significant things in our community. Now, that can only happen when us, his people, are free. And we're healthy. And that we're, uh, we're doing okay. And, uh, and that requires God to do all this heart surgery stuff with us. Final thoughts, and then we've definitely landed. For some of us, we're on Control-Alt-Delete. That was for you techies amongst you. I don't know the Apple version. It's like symbols, isn't it? Isn't that right? Burgers? nodding, loving it. <laughs> Only Apple would do symbols. Control-Alt-Delete, or restore to factory settings. It's going back to God's original design for us, isn't it? And again, when we, look, I look out, I look out some of your faces. I'm like, man, that's who you are. That's what God's made you for. It's like, ooh, that's brilliant. Love it. Absolutely love it. You could hear a pin drop, right? Okay. I don't know what to do now. Okay? Now that really, really breeds confidence in you, doesn't it? You're just sitting there going, flip, I'm glad he knows where we're, what we're doing. I, I'm saying that simply because sometimes well, I just don't know what to do. And so I'm just being honest with you. But I do know that he's got what it takes and that there's people in this room that are there to hold your hand through it. I know that. And I am going to pray in a moment. But what I am going to do, I think that I am going to do that, is I'm just going to leave it to you. Because at the end of the day, up to you. It's up to him, right? But it's up to you, really. Because the, 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 the word I shared earlier, the jail cell, the jail cell's open. It's open. The cross is the opening of the jail cell. It's up to you what you do with that. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to close and we're done. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Right now, Holy Spirit, all over this room, pray that you would bring freedom. And now Lord, I pray that in this moment, you would give your people the keys. The keys to unlock where we just feel stuck right now. And when I say key, I mean, what is your responsibility? for some it, it means forgiving someone you're held back you are held back in bitterness and all sorts because you won't forgive what was done to you and it was it was wrong what was done to you it was out of order and all of that but you're choosing and you're suffering because you're not forgiving And for some, the key is getting a friend or a leader or someone that you trust to, to share this stuff with. For some of you, it's as easy as just walking out the cell and choosing to believe something differently, to, well, to believe the truth really. We don't normally end quite like this, right? But what I will say is if if right now you're really experiencing the Holy Spirit, or even if you're not, but you would like someone to pray with you now, there will be some folks here that would love to pray with you and just step out and come and find us, okay? Because we would love to pray with you now in this time. But otherwise, Life Group is the place coffee with someone is the place seeking someone out is the place but it's up to you okay love and God bless and all that see ya